0: Podcast Is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: They might talk about humor, music, film, books, football, and box sets, exercise, and maybe even food. Trivia and sport, politics and health, sometimes well being too.
0: Of the life with Brian. On Life with Brian. Coming up on Life with Brian. I've got to tell you something. I don't watch cricket on telly. I don't. I brew my own beer, I brew my own cider, and it lasts, it, unbelievably, it lasts six months easy.
1: Not, not in Brian's house,
0: it went. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> terrible. That. I'm a virgin, I've got all the gear, I've got everything and I've never ever caught a salmon.
2: Supposed to go to the river, not stay in the bar.
3: Hello and thanks for stopping by. Life with Brian, episode 45 here for your listening pleasure. Hosted by 1987 Scottish PFA Player of the Year, Brian McClare. Myself, 1990 East Northumberland Under-14s Triple Jump Champion, Mark Godfrey. And Deanfield Secondary School sculpting prize winner of 1991, Matthew Crist, uh, and regular listeners might be able to guess who the winning sculpture was of. Um, either of you chaps doing dry January, or have you started the Slim Fast plan after the Christmas and New Year indulgences?
1: Absolutely not. And looking at Brian, as if to say, I don't think. No, you've
2: no, that. There has been a but there's no way I could go through a whole. Week, never mind a whole month. Yeah, I like can maybe attempt a week, you know, and there has there's been a few moments already, but no, can't. I don't think I could. You know, just the pop's oh. too good. So.
3: <laughs> okay. Uh, well, so uh, we'll move on to our uh, first special guest of 2024. Uh, he played first class cricket with Lancashire in England, became an umpire, uh, then coached Lancashire and England in the 1990s, and then moved into the media, predominantly with Sky Sports. To become one of the most recognizable and charismatic cricket commentators in the world. Known affectionately to most as Bumble, welcome to the show, David Lloyd. How are you, sir?
0: Uh, well, I'm average. Thanks for asking. I'm just about <laughs> average, and, and I am doing dry January, and and it, it's an effort. It, you know, when you like a, a little toot at night, and just over a, a glass of wine or a beer. I brew my own beer. I brew me own cider, but I'm going dry January. I've uh, I've done three days at the minute. <laughs>
2: Uh, well, you like some a cider, don't you, Chucky? Yeah, I might have to come over and take some of that cider off if
0: you're not going to use it. Well, they'll keep, though, will not it, you know, it'll be... Actually, it's in... Brian, it, it's in the kegs. They're unbelievable, these kegs now. I used to do it years ago, but and they were terrible, but, but now, and I, I do it, and my mates do it, and we sort of interchange and swap, and I've just had a message this morning from my mate Howard, who's a crime scene investigator, CSI, and he's just said... Get me some more of that immediately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You'll have to share the secret. I remember trying to make it years ago, and it was horrible. It had sediment in it, and it was... Uh, no, oh.
0: ma- ma- they're absolutely bang on. You need a proper keg yeah. and, and a, a brewing bin, and they're absolutely fine. In about three weeks, they're, they're absolutely bang on.
1: Well, I hope you've got a, re- a job lot ready for three, three three and a half weeks when you uh, you can finally crack it open and have a drink. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it, and it lasts, it, unbelievably, it lasts six months easy.
1: It would not, not in Brian's house, it wouldn't. <laughs> oh, that's
2: terrible. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, yeah, we also lauded for all those things. Uh, but uh, I'm particularly interested in if you uh, had to take a vinyl album to a desert island, would you take back in the DHSS or get your yayas out?
0: Uh, back in the DHSS, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I play. My wife, she she doesn't understand that sort of thing. And so you've got to play. You've got to play half man, half biscuit. You've got to play the fall when she's not in. And as <laughs> soon as she as soon as she turns up, turn that off. Turn it off.
2: You've got headphones now, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've never I mean they've not reached here. Headphones <laughs> haven't reached this household. Yeah. I'll tell you what, technology, technology wise, I'm I'm pretty good at ring back, that one four seven one. I'm all right with that. We ring back. Other it's, than that, you know that still
1: going? I didn't realise that was
0: still yeah. a thing. <laughs> well it, it is in Yorkshire a bit behind here, you know.
1: Yeah, but if
2: you yeah, I know you've got a punch on for uh, sheds. I would have thought you might have a music system set up in the shed where you can just go out there and put on vinyl to your heart's content.
0: You know that that's a, a good idea. I've got I've got a shed. I've got a, an interesting thing that where we live. I've only been here a couple of years, and I've got a battery of three garages and a workshop. And they used to be the toilets for the convalescing Polish soldiers during World War Two, And so th- they would be convalescing in, in the, um, the manor house, uh, which has now been demolished. That's gone. But this block, this battery, uh, which ha- we've now turned into garages and a, a workshop, uh, you can tell that, that they were the urinals. You can certainly tell. And that's hmm. the history of the village um, would tell us that the Polish soldiers were convalescing and using the, these as the latrines.
1: Did that leave anything interesting in there? Any reading material or anything?
0: No, no. The, also, in in I've got a few acres, and there's a derelict building in one of the fields, and it's got derelict old rotten hydraulic pumps, and there's, there's these hatches, big metal hatches that I can open up, and I can get in. I can go down and stand up in them. And so they, that was the pumping station for the manor house, pumping water up to the manor house and pumping the waste back. Well,
1: there you go. You've got an underground man cave already built for you.
0: Yeah. It, 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 if, if we really started digging, there'd be a tunnel, uh, which would be 200 yards at least, up to where this manor house was. Anyway, somebody's put a very posh house where that used to be.
1: <laughs> um, we, we were just talking about it off air a bit, but um, – David, I want to ask you, you, I've seen you mention in the past that um, football's your first love. Um, that might yeah. seem a bit strange to people seeing as you spent a lifetime in, in cricket. Where, where did that love of football come from?
0: Well, I, I always wanted to be a footballer. Like all kids, We lived. I lived in Accrington. We lived in a terraced house, very modest. And the, the ground at that time was called Peel Park, Accrington Stanley's Ground. I went to Peel Park School. My dad went to Peel Park School. All my kids, all my grandchildren go to Peel Park School. And so I was a, a, probably a stone's throw from the ground where we lived. And the players would be, and they were all Scottish players, by the way, all Accrington Stanley, were Scottish players managed by a guy called Walter Galbraith. And they lived in, a, not a hostel, but a, a, a damn big house where they would be there for the season. And on the way up to the ground, they would pass our house, carry in the boot. And I'd be sat on the step and they all right, David, how are you doing? And we kick a ball around. And so it, it, our, our football has always been my first love. It's my sport. Cricket's my business. I know that. I know cricket's my business. And I wanted to be a footballer, but cricket took over. I got paid for playing football. I, got, I, just, I was looking through all my dad's uh, albums, and he, he said that he was really pleased that he got a pound a game. I got a, one pound a match. Uh, playing for Accrington Stanley and then I got transferred for an undisclosed fee to Rosendale United. Now, I, I, just before you come in, Rosendale United played at Dark Lane and it was known as the Stadium of Dark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, well, tell us about this career then. Was it Did the English game miss out? You uh, went selected cricket over football? What, what happened in the end?
0: Well, it, 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 well I was in So I'm going back to, there's a goalkeeper, there's two full-backs um, and a half-backs, three half-backs. I were left half, I were number six. And as I progressed, I got a bit bigger and a bit stronger, I finished up inside left. So as they say now, number 10. And so, I mean, I play football all day and every day. We we leave modest. I was talking about this the other day that, um, you know, you had a football. If you had a football, you were the king. He had a football. And blokes and knock on our door. And um, my mum were a real tyrant. She was a real real disciplinarian. And they say, Is your David coming out? No, he's not. He's stopping in today. <laughs> well, is is his ball coming out? <laughs> <laughs> and we borrow his ball.
1: <laughs> but growing up being an Atkinson, I mean, you were this was what, 1950s, you started following Stanley, was it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, I yeah. mean, there were there were there was a bigger club. Well, some would say a bigger club just down the road from you. There were many more glamorous clubs around the area. Did you ever find yourself uh, you're tempted by some of the some of the bigger clubs in the area, or were you a standing man through and through?
0: No, I would go to Blackman and Burnley, and there'd be forty thousand on Ronnie Clayton. Was England uh, captain? He was captain of Blackburn Rovers, Brian Douglas, who took over from Stanley Matthews. And then you go across to Burnley, Ray Pointer sent it forward, Jimmy Robson, Jimmy Adamson. Uh, they were a fabulous team and big crowds, huge crowds. And it, I mean, I should, we shouldn't say this on a podcast, but. You used to go there to fight. You used to fight <laughs> like mad on the terraces. Everybody used to have a scrap on the top ter- And nobody bothered. They let you get on with it. it, it, it you know, it, it, was, it was a fabulous time. And at Stanley, listen to this. So I was so small when I go up the Stanley, and you go through the turnstile and pay your threatens, whatever it were, sixpence. And the fella on the turnstile has said, don't forget your brick." So you had to get a house brick to go on, to stand on, so that you could see over the wall. Not to hit somebody <laughs> with, <we're> just. <laughs> you walk, walk in, walk in with a brick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're uh, well. I'm taking corrected. This is right. What I've uh, you loved football so much uh, when you were participating in your uh, business that you played under a different name.
0: I did. I played under the name of Ramsbottom. Uh, but that was for, for a local team. You know, he played local combination football, and so you know, I, I'd play for various teams. And when I was playing cricket, they didn't they didn't actually like you from Christmas onwards because they thought you'd get injured. So we'd still play. There were a few of us doing it. There were you know, the lads from Liverpool and lads from Downstoke who were doing the same thing. Who were playing under different names. And we used to, we we used to, during the... Do you remember Denny Smith? you remember Denny Smith yeah. who played for Stoke City? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He has, he has a testimonial and we go down and we play in, in that sort of area. And I didn't play. I was club captain at length. but we had a meeting down at Lloyd's. And so the, the lads went down and played in this this testimonial benefit match. We come back and I said, how did it go? And there was like stony silence in the changing rooms. They said it oh, went, all right, how did we go on? Oh, we got beat three, two. Um, where's uh where's Sochi He's in hospital. Where well where's it? He's in hospital and all they got into a right <laughs> And we we come back too late. They, they reckoned it were a real game, but Dennis Dennis loved his cricket. He loved his cricket him.
1: You you played a bit of cricket, Brian, didn't you? Mm, oh, well, not, not to any level, mostly uh, sort of charity games. But I just I've
2: wondered a, Yeah, I was I was a bit on a cricket pitch, yeah.
1: Yeah, I just wondered if you ever came across players that would do do both. You know, you could you get players that were playing the well. In the it's
2: just, and- well, I mean, it just came at a time where that that became a bit more difficult, isn't it? You know, because when if you go back to the sixties, the the seasons were so defined. wasn't it? so you could play cricket nearly all the time and play football nearly all the time. What been a little bit older than me, but if you probably Ian Botham was probably the last one that had a kind of dual career. Uh, yeah. Jim, um, Jim
0: Standen, do you remember Jim Standen, goalkeeper for West Ham? He, he played, Jim Standon probably a bit before you, but Jim Coombs also. Yeah, Jim he, Coombs, he, yeah. Jim Coombs played in the goal, in the League Cup final at Wembley for Aston Villa. Um, Jim Standen played for West Ham in the goals and Phil Neal played for Lincoln City. So, you know, there was that, and, and Baldus, what we call uh, Chris stone he played for Carlisle and Leicester City and and various others. But Fergie, Fergie, Alex Ferguson, he, he, he'd have a game of cricket. And he, he, when he were up at Aberdeen, he got this game going, and he, he had to open the batting. So he opened the batting, and he were out first ball. He, he's out first ball. And he turned around and put the bales back on. <laughs> and They said like they said, Boss, you're out. And he said, Don't you know the laws of cricket? He said you can't be out off the first ball of the game.
2: <laughs> yeah, and well, WG that's, Grace. That's uh that would apply to lots of things that he participated in because he wouldn't he wouldn't want he wouldn't get beat at anything, you know. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> even, <laughs> meant, even meant circumventing <laughs> what the were the uh international rules of any particular game that's from as <laughs> <that's from, laughs> I was saying I've never before like, like golf you know did a terrible experience once about counting the score you know fortunately he walked off after the second hole um, <laughs> did he? he would he would cards on the bus he would like no he would no problem looking in the reflection the window to see what <laughs> hands you you know but he still lost this is the kind of that thing about it and then <laughs> And then the the best thing. So I suppose when you're just talking about technology, when yeah, um, uh, just before, or just around the time of the oh no, by the time of the internet, but you couldn't really get on it on your telephone, but you could send a, a message to a, a text message, and it would be a, to a, a server that would be a load of people just sitting that who could get uh, in the internet. So he was at, he was playing the quiz games. And he was getting the answer to all these bizarre questions and you're looking and think how does he how could he possibly know that? But he'd sent the text <laughs> message under the table and, and he's getting the message back to tell him what the answer was to <laughs> you know, every single question, you know, like those so that it could be it could be who was the opening uh, batsman in the 1930-31 Ashes series, if there was one at that time, you know, was it you know, t- tell us about Douglas Jardine or Len Hutton, all that kind of thing, you'd get the answer back. you go, how the fuck do you know no answers to these? <laughs> <laughs> you know. no one pulled
1: him up on it now.
2: Well, they, no, but he didn't know. I didn't, I'd only found out this later on, and I said to him, what, what is that you're doing? Oh, this <laughs> is this brilliant thing, you know. It was, was it called? Any answer, any answer, something like that. AQA. Aqua. yeah, what's that? What is that? oh any question answer what's that oh you just sent him a text message what yeah you get the try it oh oh, for fuck's sake very good I'm not playing any games of you anymore you know (laughs) so yeah there's always that kind of thing one thing they just told me uh, like that when you played in uh, which I imagine would be the pinnacle for any English or Australian player cricket player in an Ashes series and you played down in Australia now, how did you get told you were going to play? Do you get a telegram? Did somebody come to the door, or the telephones in those days?
0: No, you got. <laughs> somebody a, a else have a
2: telephone? Do you got a letter? Right?
0: You got a, a letter, and it didn't say it, the letter didn't say you are selected, you picked. It would say you are invited, and nice. the letter went to your club. So it went. My my letter would go to Lancashire Cricket Club. And then the secretary would say, You have been invited to play for England in Australia. Um, and so you'd respond and, and say, Yes, I'd, I'd really like that. And on reflection, I wish you hadn't have gone.
2: <laughs> well, only that's, well, I mean, that can be done for various different reasons, but it must have been brilliant that to think. I mean, I saw you kind of think you say that you felt that, and I know you're a uh, very humble when it comes to talking about all facets of your career, that you only got there because. Somebody else wasn't available to go. So it was boycott injured or something like that. see.
0: Yeah, Jeff Jeffrey'd sort of down tools or they downed his tools and he he didn't go. And he, he rang last week, Jeff. I'm good I'm good pals with Jeffrey. And he and, and of course, he he is your archetypal Yorkshireman. He, he is proper Yorkshire. So he rang last week. So And it's one of them no-caller IDs, so I didn't know who it was, and I picked the phone up. So this is how this conversation went. He said, I suppose you're freezing your bloody nuts off over there in North Yorkshire, and it's pissing down and foggy, whilst I'm in South Africa in my T-shirt and shorts, and I'm playing golf. <laughs>
2: how, how are you doing?
0: How are you doing, that really. Right? So, so that that's the sort of conversation that he and I have. Yeah, he, I mean, he was a great player. He he was a brilliant technician. To- different, different sort of bloke that people would say not a likable fella, but and I've had some almighty spats with him, but you know, I I consider him to be a good pal.
1: Famously for a Yorkshireman, he he was a United fan. Well he is a United well, he is a United fan, yeah. yeah. So-
0: well, you must you must have seen you know at M U F C you know that they've got their own private TV. true. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: So, yeah. so they the invite him, they invite him Jeffrey to to some function. It it might have been it like a Christmas player of the year. Do it
2: was a player of yeah. the year. That's what
0: it was. There's a there's a geezer interviews him. And said, "Well, Jeffrey, nice to see you. And and how, how do you think the season's got?" And he went off on one. Well, it's been poor, hasn't it? We haven't got a goal scorer, and midfield's non-existent. And so they had to block. They had to stop it. You know, they, this is supposed to be a good news interview.
2: No, they didn't stop it.
0: Oh, they kept. Did they keep it going? They
2: didn't stop it. No, they just kept it going. And the and the excuse was that they thought it was being recorded, but it was actually. Live and they live. were trying desperately to cut it off <laughs> because I think yeah I, I think he said if I can recollect that he did it I think it was uh, Oli Gunnar was manager the coach then and I think he said I I think it's time for the manager to to bloody well go and there's it's candid fashion you know and I, it was it was only what's his what view into but it was their fault for for asking him no uh,
0: d- no not, you speak because to, you yeah. know that
2: when you when you've ever asked them and you get that that. I suppose you could uh, you could, uh, say uh, it's the same kind of thing of the Yorkshireman, you know, you'll get a, an honest answer to an honest question.
0: Oh, you, oh, you get it straight up.
2: Yeah. But, uh, but, but like yourself, I mean, that, that Jeffy's a slightly different. I mean, I've always loved, I love TMS, uh, I've loved cricket since the 70s. Um, um, I saw uh, a player that you were, I saw you talking about the other day, Bisham Bedi playing in Scotland for India. And India, aye, India yeah. came to Scotland, I don't know aye. why they came to Scotland, but they came, came to Scotland to play a game in uh, in Coatbridge, and uh, some of that moment, I mean, I was about 10, I loved cricket, my dad liked cricket as well, you know, so loved uh, watching it, you know, because it was uh, available then in the summer to watch Test Match and different things like that.
0: Well, uh, one of the best best matches that I've uh, sort of commentated on was at the Grange in Edinburgh. I used to live near there. It was Scotland versus England in a one day international, yes. and Scotland Scotland won the game. And it's one of the best games that we've ever done, or, or Sky have ever done. And and it incredibly stood, just stood at the side in one of the hospitality set, uh, tents in a suit, collar, and tie, was Charlie Watts, drummer of the Rolling Stones. He stood there, Charlie, because he liked cricket. Everybody. Talks about Mick Jagger with his cricket, um, but there's a number of the band really enjoy cricket, and Charlie was another.
2: It was um, uh, it's a great, it was a very small ground though, wasn't it?
0: Gr- Grange, it's a lovely ground, great yeah, pavilion.
2: Tiny, yeah. it's, you know, it's an old, uh, old-fashioned pavilion, yeah. I used to Bye. live near there, yeah.
0: it's a lot past it. Bye, lovely, there. lovely. Oh, so you, you must know that pub called the Canny Man. Yeah, I know plenty of the pubs around there, yeah. <laughs> Mine's... The Canny Man. I uh, that, that I went in there I, that's one if it were my top 10 pubs the canny man's up there oh yeah
1: but that's a whole new podcast your top 10 yeah. pubs,
0: from what well I've speaking heard. speaking
3: of speaking of pints and pubs and pavilions um is it is it true david that when you were playing in the 60s and 70s you'd often sink a couple of pints you know during during what we what we
0: loosely going to call tea lunch lunchtime, oh, lunchtime. On, on your on the on the lunch table there would be bottles of beer there would be, and, and so going back in the days, Double Diamond, um, Watney Man, Brown Ale, Mackieson, Um and you, you could get a lager from the bar if you wanted. And you know, I played in my debut match. Uh, you know, it, it's nice when you make your debut for England at Lord's, so that was quite special. And I were forty six not out at lunchtime, and I thought I've done all right here. I'm, I'm enjoying it. And so I had my lunch and I had a lager. Um, and I were out first over after lunch, <laughs> <laughs> but it but it it was it was pretty normal that wherever you go. But to be fair, there were you know my recollection is that there were very few uh, would would have a go, who would get involved. <laughs> they, they were there, but you know you tended to have a, a you know a bit of barley water or, or just water itself. Um, and after the game, you wherever you played, whichever ground you were at. Um, you were invited to have a complimentary drink at the bar. You know, that was all through my career. Absolutely all through my career for 20 years. At the end of the day's play, you had a complimentary drink in the bar.
1: Can you imagine that, Brian, a half-time, and, you know, where pints were readily available? Or maybe they were, and we don't know.
2: No, there wasn't. I mean, I, I, there used to be a little pee the time where there was a little brandy available. Mick yeah, for whatever reason, the. Uh, when he came from Norwich, Michael Phelan, Uh he thought he just told the manager that he'd always had a a branding it made him feel whatever it was and but he put himself under a bit of pressure to perform, you know. So <laughs> Fergie said I that was all right, you know. So with we'd never oh. miniature of brandy and he might or might not have a, a little snifter of it, you know. So and I don't I don't recall whether I'd played any better or any worse uh Brandy free, you know, but certainly the same thing after the game there would be the players' lines, which the opposition at that time were were welcome to come in and have have a have a beer or or whatever else was available.
0: I I used to go in, Brian. When we so again the crossover between uh, football and cricket with the two Old Traffords, and when Dave Sexton. Became or, or going back before then when Matt Busby was manager and then Dave Sexton came a little bit later and Dave Sexton liked his cricket and he would invite us over and, and we would go and watch the game and then afterwards, going to the players' lounge. And, and Bestie was in one Besties in one day, and he said, oh, you're the cricket guys, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I, he said how do you practise for that? Do you all go and stand in a field somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he said, look, he said, do me a favour. He said, do me a favour. He said, they'll know you cricket guys outside all the autograph hunters. He said, you you go out first, and I'll sneak out behind you. <laughs> and 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 you know, he, he he used to pop, he obviously used to pop out into Manchester and I'd I'd see him a bit see him odd times uh down Manchester in in a pub that I used to go in and if you're familiar with Manchester which you are I used to go in the Circus Tavern and and that's a United pub yeah the Circus Circus Tavern is tiny tiny little pub there's a the grey yeah. horse yeah, Circus to to gray Tavern horse, yeah. we know the, the grey horse, horse, yeah. horse Circus yeah. Tavern an old monkey. They're yes,
2: all three uh, yeah. next to each other, yeah. and the Un- the United Pub is the Circus Tavern. Well, no, because the Grey Horse is a United Pub as well because of the yeah, of the manager. Yeah.
0: But he's just he's
2: we used to enjoy going there because of him. But he's uh, he's gone to the dark side. He's gone down London way now for for love. Uh-huh. There,
1: there was you one know. blue
2: in there, there wasn't there? How? Oh, hell, nah. no, yeah. he still goes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still, I saw that pic- a picture of him, isn't it? yeah. So there's the which what the circus tavern in the top ten as well?
0: Yeah, circus is up there. The new landlord, me, me, me mate with the landlord George the Greek. George the Greek with a landlord for years, Um and he's well into his eighties now. But now, now there's a lad called Barry, who, who's a big geezer. He, he's that big, he can't get behind the bar. He's too big to get behind the bar. So he has this young lass who who would serve and then bring bring your drinks to the table. It's a real character pub proper character pub. It
1: has, it has to be. It's that small you have to. you have to
2: get on with everything. It? It's the same size. It's the smallest bar. That's what it is, isn't it? You know, that's it. Yeah. That's the it. Small,
0: there's small there's another... Bar. There's another... When you're in Manchester, again, I'll, I'll give you a heads up, there's a place opened fairly recently, a couple of years, called the Temple of Convenience.
2: I've been in there.
0: Have you? It's that, yeah. that, is that toilets? Yeah, the toilet. toilet. Yeah, oh. toilet.
2: Stock- I went and there's just after it opened and it, it stank...
0: Yes. Yeah, it's not it's no different. Yeah. <laughs> it it is it is one of the very best. It's got a brilliant jukebox on the wall and everybody looks like they've been in there since nineteen fifty two.
2: Is that why you went in there, Brian? Is it? <laughs> I think it was just why you see it and you think, Oh, that just can that can't possibly be a pub. And it is. Yeah. You think it's yeah. you think it's just a mock-up of something. And yeah, yeah, that's my overriding memory of it. Yeah. I walked past it Aye. recently. And I thought, oh no, I didn't, I did I wasn't tempted to go in. I think the next time I go in, I'll, I'll have a little wander down there.
0: Well, the the the, the Peveril's down there, Peveril of the Peak, uh, Peverell like, of the Peak. I like the,
2: I like the Pev, yeah.
0: yeah, and that's because that's got a, one of them by football tables in. Yes,
2: yeah, I still got that. Yeah. <laughs> Previously on Life with Brian
0: Bloody hell, son You are an ugly bugger. What's that on your face? Because what have you been doing all afternoon? I'd put in pizzas
1: You be me in 1984 And uh, I was on pretty much everybody's Most uncool person of the year list
0: You know Glastonbury in 2011 was actually That was the rebirth of Deacon Blue And it, it was a magical night
2: Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts
3: David after after a successful playing career you became an umpire I mean that's that's pretty common in a pretty common transition in cricket for former yeah. players to become officials uh, do you think football could learn something from from that pathway to go from because because obviously the the cricketers know the game you know they're not just parachuted in maybe being observers from the outside side and the fans whereas you know you know the nuances of the game and 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 all that sort of thing do you think do you think football's got a lot to learn from cricket in that respect
0: well, it, it certainly helps, I'll put it that way, that, that if you've, you've played the game, and it's quite a technical game, it's cricket, and, and the laws of the game are varied. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, there, there, there are 42 laws of cricket, and I think there's 17 in football. And so, you know, they're, they're on a hiding to nothing, the referees now, particularly with this new system that's in VAR, which, which is stopping the game. When you, when you pay your money to go and watch a football match, I want to see him play football. I don't want to see him stopped and waiting for somebody to give a decision. The, the umpire or the referee is right when he's wrong. It's his opinion. Get on with the game. And it, it, it's the rough with the smooth. You get it as a batter. You know, you, you, I, I played 20 years and I guarantee I was never, ever out LBW, in my opinion. I was never out LBW, but I was given out. And that's how it is. That's how it goes. I'm offside. I'm not offside. Well, he's just flagged you offside, mate. So, you know, next time you'll get away with one. But VAR, I, I mean, I can understand it, but it, it's complicating the game. It's it, You know, and, and the, the bottom line is, ah, but we're getting the right decision. Well, you're not.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking about this before you, you came on air. David but yeah i mean we've all we've all basically over the last probably year all agreed that it's just gone horribly wrong um for one reason or another it obviously doesn't in cricket though i mean i don't it, it, probably the, the flow of the game isn't it you can you can stop you can have a look to see if someone's out you can look to see if it's lbw although even that i think i used to love the i used to love it when someone was wrapped on the pads and the finger would go up and they're out and that's it now it, it you know you get these reviews and and they seem yeah. to take a long time so i think it has killed not so much like in football, but in, in cricket, it's killed that instant moment of celebration and uh,
0: excitement. I think it's, it's it's so clinical now in both sports. Uh, VAR, DRS, it's clinical, and you're losing, in my opinion, you're losing a little bit of the romance of the game. You know, back back in the pub after the game, well, it were never out. Of course, it were out. You know, you're losing that because it, it it's very clinical.
3: You mentioned about, um, the way cricket's evolved with DRS there, David. Um, another way that cricket's changed over the last decade or so, uh, are all these new formats like 2020 and the 100 and so on. Um, you know, we, we've got all this razzmatazz and the supercharged nature of, of cricket now. Um, Compared to the more genteel feel of days gone by, and the the test matches, and you know the county circuit four day game, do you think these changes are for the better, or or sort of do do you much prefer the way cricket used to be before before pajama cricket, let's say, and, and and floodlights and fireworks and everything else?
0: Well, they've got to be real careful with the formats of the game. Um, T20 Blast, it came in in 2003, and I got that straight away. It's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. But then you move that over to India, to the IPL, and that will expand and expand, and it'll just keep going. And it may, in future, be a year round. They'll play that year round, and they'll buy all the players now, the, the IPL is owned privately. They're owned by individual companies and individual people. And so that gets away from club cricket and it being members cricket. They don't have a say. But they're hoovering up all the players. They've got to be really careful. And I've watched this new format in England called The 100, and it looks very entertaining and it looks good fun. But does it fit in? That is the big question. Does it fit in? There's nobody else in the world plays it up to now. And the way that it's going, or what my information that we're hearing is there are, I think there are it six or eight hundred teams and the IPL franchise are looking to buy into that. So then that they will be independently owned, although the governing body will say, no, that's not true. Well, they will be eventually. You know, they, they're not doing it for the good of the health. You know, it's a financial thing. And so I then strip it back and come back to where does every cricketer and every footballer, where do you start? You start with your own club and you learn your game and then you advance your game and your ambition all along is to represent your country. So where are they going to get the players from? Because your Lancashire's, your Yorkshire's, your Hampshire's, Surrey, everybody, they develop the players from 10-year-old before. And if they keep moving on, you're not going to have any players. So you've got to be really careful. It is box office, and I'll just refer you back to one game, 1981. It's called Botham's Ashes. Now, everybody in the world says I were there. Hmm. Millions of people, I were there. I can tell you over five days, the full attendance was 50,000, over five days. And if you see it, you can put it on YouTube, the stands are empty, there's nobody there. There's nobody there. And so there's been a big advancement, particularly like test match cricket in England, you can't get a ticket. And it's like 150 pound a ticket in some places, you can't get one. They're They're all sold out. So you'd say that they're doing something right, but they've got to be careful with the scheduling.
2: Well, part of part of that, um, David, is this right? So you've got you've got the, these uh, limited uh, overs, limited numbers, right? So you're you're uh, trying to create, probably maybe more particularly, batsmen who can smash the ball all over the place, right? Mm. Take on every ball. Um, that's to me. That's not really the essence of, of what cricket is. So is it then going to be left that the people are really looking to develop these types of players because this is where the the finance is going to come both for the individual and the people that own the teams and the broadcasting people because that's what they want to see. You know, all yeah, well, it would be or so because all yeah. of these things are on. You know, all the, all the formats and all the different continents are all on. The hundreds is 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 on television and all that kind of thing. And you've got two. You've got the two games on the day that the ladies game and the men's game or whatever so you've got all of that kind of thing but you could creating a different kind of player now I would say in football terms particularly and um, maybe more particularly in Scotland is that a lot of the, the pitches that young people are playing on now are artificial pitches mm-hmm. so they're, you're developing a different type of game because you can't tackle I know there's not so much about tackling but there's still going to be some kind of form of tackling when you get onto a grass pitch later on in life that it might change a particular player in um, the future uh, because they've only been a they play on this particular surface and may they, they may well s- struggle to um, show what they can do if they win events to start playing on grass. Uh, it must be a concern for, for the future of... of particularly for Tesco. I, I love Tesco. I think that's the, the best thing because it involves everything you need to do uh, with regards your psychology The tactics, you've now got a lot more analysis and all that kind of thing. But the actual um, game of somebody getting in there and the people talking about it, that know a lot about it like yourself and still do it with humour like you've did yourself, I think it's a great spectacle. Uh, There must be a danger of that. Well, people said, is there too much cricket? Well, well, for me, I I look at um, the, the recent World Cup and should Stokes have been playing... For example, you know, he's played a lot of cricket. Does he play a lot of cricket because he's because he's injured, sorry. Does he doesn't get injured because he's he's overplayed or you know, there's been too much of commitment on his physicality as he gets older. Um I've heard you talking about um Jimmy Anderson who's mm-hmm. still bowling now and he's he's looks after himself, but he doesn't play mm-hmm. every game because he can't, you know, as much as you want to play every game irrespective respect to what age you are, you cannot do that. Should somebody have been sent to the captain of of England and that company, listen, you're not going to pick you for this, because a fit somebody else is better than a broken Stokes.
0: Yeah, and and he's he's had this operation. I mean, it's a a daft game, because in, in cricket, particularly bowling, you get into a ridiculous position, which puts enormous strain on your back and on your knees and on your joints. It's a ridiculous action. And so when you get somebody who's 90 miles an hour, they are absolute priceless. They are gold in your team because they're going to disturb the opposition. I don't care what anybody says, but going back to a point, there's a really good point that you made. It's threefold. The players are getting paid better. The broadcasters are piling the money in because it's good for them. And individuals are earning a fortune. So those are three things. Now you your young chap who wants to come in and belt it everywhere that's fine and there's evidence in in England at the minute there's two I won't name them it's not fair. there are two early twenties have decided I just want to play white ball cricket so they've no grounding about how to play technically in all forms of game and they can't get a run now. they were box office players when they were playing different formats. Now I just want to play white ball and they can't get a run because they've no grounding. You have to have that grounding first before you can develop. And to, so Stopes has got all of the England team in test match cricket and he's took it by the scruff of the neck and said, we're going to be entertaining. And they are. They're very entertaining.
1: Like Brian says there, I, I was going to ask, do you think, can you see a day or a time when football do- cricket does streamline itself where you you know like 100 the 100 particularly like you say it doesn't no one else is playing it so how long can we have all these formats going on around the world without somebody saying we need to uniform this calendar and uh, and streamline it
0: well the the players are saying that the 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 body of the the cricket is the PCA are actually saying that about the scheduling and the amount of cricket and getting back to jimmy anderson's management Is excellent, looks after himself, number one, but also enjoys himself, and he knows when to enjoy himself. And so the management of the player is absolutely paramount, and you need a squad of players, particularly bowlers. I'm not bothered about batters. The the batters, they're like the Tory party. They're they're up there. They're the batters. The engine room is your fast bowlers, and they will get injured. Because it's a ridiculous action, sideways on, frontways on, twisting your body, turning your knees, impact on your back. You're going to get injured. And so you've got to manage your players to get the best out of them. And you go go back to a racehorse. A racehorse will run every day if you want it to. It won't win. It's got to be primed. You've got to prime a player. So I'm fascinated by football management where the football manager will say, he's not playing. He's one of my best players, he's not playing this match, but I'm getting him ready for this next one. So I'm fascinated by that, of the management of a squad. And so you need a big squad, don't you? You've got to have a big squad.
1: I was thinking, I just wanted to go on to your commentating days, but from someone that loves cricket, do you find yourself... With so much cricket on, you, for someone that loves cricket as much as you do, do you find yourself thinking, sort of picking and choosing what you watch now because there's so much on? Or are you still in love with every game you that's a, that's, that's on TV?
0: Matthew, I've got to tell you something. I don't watch cricket on telly. <laughs> do I, don't, I don't. I don't. I watch, I watch football wall to wall. Yesterday, epic game, Boreham Wood versus York City. Yeah. You know, so I watched that all the way through. Um, and then I watched the, the next match, um, Arsenal, Liverpool, watched all that. Uh, tonight I'll be watching. I don't watch cricket. I, 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 I dip in. I dip in. I watch it on social media. I dip in, what's the score? Who's got the wickets? And I can sort of deduce how things are going. But I don't sit in front of me telly for six or seven hours watching a game of cricket. I don't. But,
1: but have you always been like that? Or was this just yes. because Yes. Know. Yeah, because yeah, because I, w- yeah, I was going to move on and say you know you, you you like you took to umpiring after playing you you also took to commentating like a, a doctor Water and you you're still regarded as one of the uh, the most popular commentators of of the of recent times when it comes to cricket but that that seems strange now when it uh, when you say that you don't tend to watch a lot of cricket did you just see it as a job
0: yeah well it, it's my love. You know, I love being getting hold of a microphone, and it's short time. You know, your producer, your director, you come in on air, five, four, three, two, one, off we go. So I've got a microphone, I've got a, a match in front of me, and so we now inevitably go back to the great commentators, going back to Brian Johnston on radio. Um, John Eilert on radio, we go through Henry Blofeld, Christopher Martin Jenkins, the present guy, Jonathan Agnew, into television, Richie Benno, uh, Tony Gregg, Bill Lorry, uh, Tony you bang, bang, bang. So you learn from these people, you watch, and you observe, and they just look out and say it as it is. They call the game. And a slight criticism now, right now and everybody you know i've had my day my like you know my ship sailed it's gone um although i might be coming back this next year that's something else um so, so i've never had a note and all them that i've mentioned have never had a note never and so what we're seeing now is somebody reading out a load of stats just reading out a load of stats. Now that to me means they can't describe what's going on at the minute. Yeah. Just read some, read some stats out. No, I'm not bothered about stats. I want to know what's going on right now. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, that's the sort of avenue I was going down before you went into the commentary box, whether you put any sort of preparation in or, or looked at anybody no. for advice, but you just went in as you are, <laughs> as you normally are and uh, you know, just just were yourself.
0: That you, those the, the two words that you know. My dad was a very 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 gentle soul. He was a, a, a lay preacher in the church, and you know, you, my, my mother I mentioned was a tyrant. She came from thirteen brothers and sisters, so you know she she's got a fighter corner. Thirteen brothers and sisters, and she's in the middle of it all. My dad was a gentle soul, and he just said, "Be yourself, just be yourself," and and you know, I'm not bothered. People since I was 15, people have been writing about me. Well, that's fine. You, you they have an opinion. They like you. They don't like you. That's fine. I, I don't mind. But if I get a microphone, I come alive. Yeah. I'm a very. I'm unbelievably private. I've got a handful of mates who really haven't a clue what I do. what I've been doing. We go in the back room of the pub. There's a, a tractor driver, two farmers. Um, the, the, the geezer I've no idea what he does but he's always imbued in Budapest Is that um, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> so you know I, I've had a I've had a good time and but I, I I will say this I admit I come alive when I've got a microphone and a cricket match in front of me
1: I just wonder if you're the sort of person that could do that whether it was cricket or darts or football or anything it might just be a, a, a talent you've got to just explain describe what you're seeing in front of you
0: but then again, you just get all them, and I'm I'm too old for you know. Stick to cricket. Stick to cricket. <laughs> I've been years ago, years ago when when Sid Waddell was doing the darts, and he was a massive cricket fan. Sid, and he, there was a a question: Would you like to come and do the darts? I'd have been uncomfortable, and I, I'd have thought I'd have done it a disservice. Mm. Um, but football, I'd like to have a do at football. But how can you be? How can you be a a summarizer? at football if you've never done it. You can't do it. I can't do it.
1: No, You can't do it. I was going to say to you, Brian, you must have had your favourites when you were growing up. Commentary. Yeah, well, football and cricket,
2: really. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, And and you recognise and respect those people who can either talk about what they see and they have a view on it, which is which is OK, because they've been doing it for a long, long time, or they can talk about what they see and tell you what it felt like, because they did do it uh, and played at the highest level, and there's an awful lot of people doing that uh, in all sports now. Uh, and, and I don't think that would uh, be, be any different from, from what it is, but I, I certainly can see when I'm watching different sports, uh, similar things to what David's saying—that people are are just coming out with stuff that has no relation to what is actually happening. Happening, that's yeah. You know, yeah. And it's just like yeah. this is just—it's just, just saying or or just re- it soundbite stuff about, and uh, it's just stuff like that. It's just like we we'll say this that's relating to something, whatever it is, It could be football, it could be cricket, it could be golf, or race racing, whatever. Sometimes it just seems to be well that doesn't that's not really telling me anything, you know. I think you want to, when I watch it, I want to be learning something about whatever it is I'm doing, you know, like. Right, like wh- wh- why is it,
0: why is it that Scots are brilliant commentators? And I'm talking, I'm going back, Andy Gray, I thought was fantastic. Ali McCoyst is right up there, McCoyst. Yeah, he it, it he, he, he just, you just, when McCoyst is, when he's summarising, I just feel that he's sat next to me. He's brought me into it. He's bringing me in all the time. and There have been some fantastic Scots who have gone into commentary and football management, absolutely brilliant at it. Must be a reason. It must be the air or the water or the whiskey.
2: Uh, yeah, I think it's a lot to do with being,
0: uh, with
1: the
2: way you're brought up, being single-minded and uh, downtrodden and wanting to be successful, particularly successful uh-huh. in a in a different country. The country uh-huh. that's always dominated Scotland, you know, so that, that's always been a big challenge, you know, when you're, and, and the pressure on you to be successful in that country, whether you're a player, or a coach, or involved in any other scenario, we want to come down and beat the English at everything, all the yeah, time.
0: Uh, uh, we had, we, because we, we, my captain, when I played for England, was a Scotsman. Mike Denes, yeah. a fantastic bloke, absolutely fabulous bloke. I think he came from air. I think he was. We from shouldn't here. hold
2: that against them.
0: Oh, is that <laughs> uh, is that the dark side over there?
2: No. Anyway, <laughs> <Is> that, <laughs> anyway, that's not where you you come originally from.
0: It's always the dark side. It doesn't matter where I, you are, you know. So You're always we, looking... we could, you know, you know, you know, Michael Atherton? You know, have you yeah. met Michael Atherton or uh, not? no not know. No, now, he's a red, and his dad. He's dad played for man united he was a, He's a goalkeeper and he he might have made one appearance and he became a headmaster at, at one of the schools down manchester but others is a massive red um but he and i we we come fishing up to scotland and we i mean i i've i'm a virgin i've got all the gear i've got everything you could and i've never ever caught a salmon and i've spent weeks at it
2: you're supposed to you're supposed to go to the river not stay in the bar
0: uh, no, we got well. We've been up with Beefy, and he's another. He's got every piece of equipment going, and I've, he talks a great game. And I've never seen him catch anything. And the first thing he does, like eight o'clock in the morning, he fills these tumblers full of malt whiskey, and he's. We've all got to go down to the to the uh, bank side, and toss the river. You got to yeah. toss the river. You won't catch a thing unless you toss the river. all oh. right Eight o'clock in the morning, slugging it back. Maybe no, and one then inevitably, anything. <laughs> no, and then you inevitably he'll fall in. I mean, he'll fall in probably every day. Um, and, and I mean, he's a great character to go fishing with. And Atherton is a proper fisherman, he catches, so it's not a fluke. Can he you, catches.
1: Is that something you've ever gone gone for, Brian? Fishing? No, no, I can't. Oh,
2: I love it. I can I see the idea it. of sitting there all day now. I could see the attraction and that. Was good. There was, um a canal not far from me and I see people sitting there and I have no idea if there's any fishing or not because I've never seen anybody pull in and out, but they seem yeah, quite that's happy. Not,
0: that's not <laughs> fishing. I happy. mean, the, all they're doing there is drowning worms. <laughs> that's what they're
2: doing. <laughs> well, you're talking about fly fishing then, is that what you're oh, saying? Oh, fly yeah? fishing.
0: Right. Fly yeah. fishing is fabulous. So you put your waders on and you, you know, you're stumbling over rocks and bricks and falling <laughs> in and coming Rams. out and getting dry. Usually, oh, there's
2: usually prams in rivers in Scotland. Except for the oh. rivers that I've
1: seen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking of mutual loves, I just wanted to, before we go any further, I wanted to talk about your love of music, David, and particularly the, the sort of Manchester music scene, shall we call it. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got, looking at, doing a bit of research on you. you've got quite an eclectic, eclectic mix of uh, music taste. Where, where did that come from?
0: Um, education would be, The Manchester music scene, we had a a producer, exec producer at Sky Cricket called Paul King, and he was into the fall, and he has a room where he lives. He lives down in London. He has a a fall room. It's just dedicated to the fall. And he he would send me uh, little demo CDs, listen to this, play this, and then the director, Mark Lynch, he's from Tranmere, Big Tramia Rovers fan, best, best cricket director in the world by none. And he's into the Manchester music scene and he would send me, to, and, and I got into it, I got it. And, you know, I love all that that edgy, it's real edgy stuff. Joy Division, New Order, Stone Roses, um, The Fall, I mean, The Fall are incredible. I've read every book on Marquis Smith. I mean, it, the show must go on. He will not go on without 10 pints inside yeah. him. He will not go on stage for a start. And then, then it, when, when they were touring, um, uh, Germany, I think he were in Hamburg or Munich, he fell off the stage he broke his leg. So they carried on and wheeled him on in a wheelchair <laughs> and, and did the rest of the, the tour on, in a wheelchair. Um, and so I, I, I get the Manchester music, um, uh, going back to Tony Wilson and the Hacienda. Um, and I've, I've got a a mate who was he, well. He tells me he was in the fall and he managed the fall, and he's now got his own music. Um, he, he's he's called Blaney, Ed Blaney. Worth looking up on social media. Just look up Blaney.
2: Everybody and, was in the fall.
0: I, I, well, he kept sacking them, didn't he? <laughs> in, in the book, I think I think it's the book Renegade. I think the book is Renegade, and he, he, part of it, he said, I don't, I can't understand them. He said, I am the fall. He said, um, "The thing is, I give them two hundred pound a week. You can get a lot with two (laughs) hundred (laughs) quid." They had a massive turnover. Yeah. Do you
1: you still find a new band, or you you stick to? No, not
0: not really. Not not really. Um, You know, the the two guys that I've mentioned have moved on to uh, bigger and better things, and so you know, they they would. Send me these things, so I d- I just have my own collection. I get me vinyl. There's some. There's a nice vinyl shop at Northallerton, which is just up the road from me here, and so you can go in there.
2: Yeah, I was going to. I was just going to ask you there what Tomtay table you've got?
0: Oh, mine's uh it's a it's a Crossley, which are, is a replica dance set. Wow. Um, Right. It, it's just a rep it's a replica. It, it's not a dance set. When when I were a lad at, at home, I had a dance set major. Um and so I I would play my stuff on that. It's a bit tinny and not not great. I'm also into the band, uh, Robbie Robertson, yeah. Um and Leave on Helm. I, I like the band.
1: I think uh, I think you'd you two would see eye to eye on a few of these uh
2: these well, books. So yeah, Jitbox. box. Pop drinking, is just about it, isn't it? Really, <laughs> Yeah,
0: I've tried to get, I've tried to get a jukebox. I can't get past first base with my wife. <laughs> can cool, on, let's get a jukebox. That's, the, that's what the sheds thing for the shed, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. But look, I've no, I've gone into that because you, you know it's all they're all valves and so on, and you can't have damp. You can't have damp around them. Uh, Yeah, I'm not. I mean, have you seen the price of them? Yeah, you can't. You can't get a decent one for for ten grand. No, no. And and I'm not shoving that in the shed. (laughs) (laughs) You need
1: need to get it properly insulated first.
2: (laughs) You're listening to Life
1: with Brian. I'm allowed to talk about anything completely impartially. Obviously, now I'm ginger and beautiful and unique, Brian, <laughs> but um, back then you thought you were
3: just a wee ginger um, ball bag from the west coast of Scotland, you know? Getting recognised is is something that I've always been sort of philosophical about and try to be nice to people, but there are some moments in life where you're just desperate to be recognised. And when he walked down that plane, I was a bit like, oh, please, please watch Game of Thrones.
2: Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
3: It's time for the quiz. And yet again, I found myself preoccupied with this for far longer than necessary. Um, We're calling this one Achret and Stanley. Who are they? In honor of Bumble's (laughs) appearance on the show. (laughs) And for anyone older than 40 that remembers the advert for milk on the telly in the late 80s and early 90s, it's the tried and trusted penalty shootout format where you both get five goes each and the rules are pretty simple. I'm going to give you the names of various Stanleys. And you and if you think they have at some point played football in England, you have to say Akron and Stanley. If you think they're an otherwise famous red herring I've chucked in to muddy the waters, then say, who are they? you both understand yeah all right well <laughs> um well chucky's winning streak was broken by kevin day on the last episode so bumble don't let the guests side down uh, yeah. and it's you to go first uh, go and and your first one is gary stanley who were there oh it's an it's Gary Arthur Stanley's an Stanley. he's an accurate in Stanley, yeah. He's a former midfielder from the 70s and 80s, most notably for Chelsea and Everton, who was apparently as famous for his silky hair as he was for his silky skills. So Shit. <laughs> emphasis
1: on <laughs> emphasis on you, Brian. And your first one is Arthur Stanley.
2: Ah, oh, you just made that I man. That's that's we
1: don't make any of this up. That's but that some we Arthur did. Stanley. What was the negative one again? The negative one.
3: Oh, that's who, who, are are they?
1: They? who are
2: they? Who
3: are
1: they? Who are they? No, you both missed your first one. Arthur Stanley was an Accrington Stanley. Arthur was a stockbroker who won the FA Cup in 1880 with Clapham Rovers and also played tennis, competing in both singles and doubles at Wimbledon uh, in the late Victorian period. So you, you haven't done That's, your homework. That's
2: right. where you got that Arthur from that you call everybody that you don't know. That's
3: it, Arthur.
0: All
1: right, Arthur. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, okay. Right, so we're at 0 0. So, Bumble, your second one is Owsley Stanley. Who are they? Hey, we've got our first one in the net. Um, he is false. Um, Owsley was a sound engineer for the Grateful Dead, but is perhaps more famous or infamous as being the first known individual to mass produce LSD, earning him the nickname the Acid King.
1: Right. Like it. Shocker, your second one is. Aaliyah. I'm not
2: going to forget that now. That's just stuck in go. my head for a Stanley, one. Right. yeah. Owsley Stanley. Right,
0: yours
1: next one Brian is Leo Stanley who are they one all scores Leo yeah. Leo was chief surgeon at San Quentin State Prison in the. US where he conducted unethical experiments on inmates his favorite being, <laughs> his favorite being the grafting of executed prisoners te- testicles onto live inmates in the belief that the procedure would cure physical and mental illness bring about rejuvenation and reverse the aging process. <laughs> Mark, where the hell did you get that from?
3: I told you I spent far too much time on these things.
1: That's another one you've got to remember uh, now, Brian. Leo's yeah, <laughs>
3: there you go. All right. So, um, yeah, it is. Uh, we've got the halfway point. So your third one, Bumble, is Graham Stanley.
0: Accrington Stanley.
3: It is an Accrington Stanley, although he didn't turn out for Accrington Stanley, but just down the road a little bit. He was a wing half for Bolton Wanderers in the 1960s.
0: Right. I, 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 right. Right. Two, one. I was th- I'm still thinking of Leo Stanley. You wouldn't <laughs> want to stand next to him in the showers, <laughs> would <will> you?
3: <laughs> where
1: uh, Where are we? Uh, Chucky, third one, Joe Stanley. Who are they? Uh, banging the penalties in now after a slow start. Uh, yeah, Smoking Joe is an all-black rugby legend, cousin of former Everton and Australian football, Tim Cahill, and also related to a number of other international rugby players. So, yep, yeah, Joe Stanley was a rugby player, not a footballer. 2-2.
3: 2-2. And, uh, Bumble, your fourth Stanley is Frederick Trent Stanley. Who are they?
0: That can't be Trent.
3: Got, it can't be. You, you're right. Um, he is a who are they? He is false. Um, Frederick uh, is famous for incorporating the Stanley Works Company in 1853, which became world famous for its knives, tools, tape measures, and so on.
0: Stanley knives, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay,
1: so pressure's on here, Brian. Uh, to pull level, your penultimate Stanley is Craig Stanley. Who are they? No, he's missed. He was an Accrington Stanley. 40 year old Craig is a player coach at Southern League Bashley FC, but has had a plethora of league and non league clubs during his twenty year career. Can't believe you won't he won't let you forget yeah. that one.
3: All right. Well, we're on the fifth one now, and this bubble is to wrap it up uh, and to win. So um your last one is George Stanley.
0: George Stanley. Who are they?
3: He's done it. He's banged it into the net to to conclude a victory. Um George Stanley hey! is a historian and author, and he's the man whose design was chosen as the Canadian national flag in 1965.
1: But this one's ir- out, George. <laughs> this one's irrelevant, Brian, but seeing as Mark's gone to all the trouble of doing oh, right, out yeah. this information. They've
2: uh, started so finish. Yeah. yeah.
1: We'll close out with Paco Stanley.
2: Who are they? Yeah.
1: Consolation goal, but uh it's correct. Paco was not a full footballer, but a very popular Mexican TV entertainer. Starring, <laughs> starring in shows such as Andale. 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 Sorry, yeah, I'm reading the French. Mark's actually written in, in, in uh, yeah. in brackets how to pronounce it for me. <laughs> Andale. Well, he's got another one here. Un poco de Paco and radio and uno tras otra. He hasn't told me how to pronounce those.
2: <laughs> uh,
3: no, perfect. Perfecto.
1: He was uh, assassinated in his car in 1999, he, but Mark hasn't told me why. <laughs> oh, i <my laughs> laugh at that.
3: that it's Mexican. It's probably something to do with drug dealing, I, I, I suspect. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, well, well done, Bumble. That's No prize on offer, but... Uh,
1: but There is a yeah. prize. Brian will buy you a pint next time he's in the circus yes. savern or the Grey Horse. So, uh, Oh, we're
0: looking forward oh, to a fortnight yeah. in Barbados. <laughs> <laughs> MacLare's Mailbag.
1: My mailbag.
3: My mailbag. Your questions have landed on our electronic doormat, so Matthew is going to choose the best ones for Brian and Bumble.
1: Okay, Chris Harris wants to know, and this is going back to what we were saying a couple of minutes ago. What is your favourite song by The Fall? No bulbs. Straight off the bat, yeah. No competition. Yeah. That, that's the one.
0: Yeah, no bulbs. Hit the north. Yeah, classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, hit the north. Um, wake up in the city <laughs>
1: Have you, You're you a full man, Brian Mr Pharmacist Mr
0: Pharmacist, <laughs> yeah
1: You ever have the pleasure of meeting Mr Smith?
2: No, but I know somebody that had played in the uh, the fall for one gig, I think and uh, he, he regaled the story that, that Bumble just mentioned there about before it he couldn't believe that he he sat it, he had Several pints, but he also downed a whole bottle of whiskey, and still managed to. Well, he was he was inco- incoherent and yeah. all over the place. And as soon as he went on stage, he became the leader of the fall and 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 uh, sang everything, uh, note perfect, word perfect. Gig finished, and he fell off the back of the stage, <laughs> <and> unconscious, <No. laughs> completely <and> utterly unconscious. <laughs> He says it was it was a proper experience. Yeah, yeah. So he just was standing. He was drumming one one gig. Yeah, standing for, for some day. I think he'd sacked that that morning, and they were scrambling about it. for a drummer for that night. You know. So okay.
1: Well, this is somewhat related. Um, the guys at TWS podcast have asked us to ask you, Bumble, about the time you played football with Manchester United legend George Best.
0: Yeah, I've I've got the picture. It's a classic, and it's a complete mud bath, and. I can see the shirts now. We was it was we were sponsored by Summit Windows. <laughs> oh, George, oh. George is coming out. He's shit up to glory from the first half. <laughs> um, and it, it was it, it must have been it was in Blackpool. That's it. That was it. We were over in Blackpool, and we had both had a mutual friend. Um, who organised this? And, and we turned out. And the the line was that in the dressing room before. And, and I'm a bit starstruck that here he is. And I, we had some sort of manager. And I said, "What? Well, what? What are the? You know? Are we any tactics? What are we doing?" And he just said, "When you get it, just give it to him." <laughs> <laughs> so, what era are
1: we talking about here? What? What George Best era are we in?
0: Seventies. Uh,
1: yeah, so just just after his peak.
0: Say. Oh no, he 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 looked he looked great. Yeah, you know he looked great. It would be probably after his Fulham days. Might be. Oh right. right. Yeah, might be. Early, might be eighties. Yeah, might okay. be eighties.
1: That must have yeah. been quite a thrill because you kind of alluded to the fact earlier on that you were a bit of a, can I say, closet United fan, or United was yeah. a big part yeah. of you, you, you. So that must have been a, a, yeah. a huge thrill for you.
0: Yeah, but again, you, you you'd play in these testimonial matches. I played a number with Alan Ball, you know, you, you, Alan Ball, and then there was Alan Ball Senior, who was the manager. But you know, Alan Ball was a fiery player. He was a real character, uh, part of that Everton midfield. So, uh, some some uh, brilliant players there, Colin Harvey, and so you, you'd play. I mentioned Denny Smith. You play these matches, and you come up against some some proper footballers. Yeah.
1: Who are your United heroes then? You-
0: Duncan, Duncan Edwards um, was, you know, I, I cried my eyes out when uh, Munich air disaster and, and he didn't pull through. Duncan, he he was a colossus, absolute colossus, you know. In in that sort of you move on, Brian Robson, Roy Keane, that sort of player, yeah. up and down, up and down, yeah. um, and and you know that 1958 uh, is on everybody's
1: mind it really is yeah no, that's, that's fair enough i noticed you didn't say brian mclair but we'll move on there from
2: there. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> i'm just i'm just happy that he can't recognize me and i'm delighted uh,
1: well, as we said as we found out you're not as unrecognizable as the papers have us believe um this is one i don't know anything about dr neil mallet wants to ask ask you about brian the cowboy
0: Oh, no, he's asking. I know, I know Neil Mallet. I know this is, Dr. Mallet. Yeah. yeah. Um. So just in our village, it's a real sleepy village. There's 192 people living in the village. And one of them is Brian. And he's a lovely soul. And he dresses up as a cowboy. <laughs> um, and he sorts everybody's bins out. You know, when you put your bins out and put them back in, he does it in his cowboy gear. Um, and he also... He also... He also has a... He has a station master's outfit, which he goes, he goes down the station and starts waving trains off. <laughs> and he's, he's not to do with it. Um, he's He's lovely. Yeah, <laughs> he, he goes in the pub, he goes to the pub on a Sunday night as a pint of Guinness, with, with his with his cowboy full gear on, with his tassels and his ulster and his ten gallon hat.
1: <laughs> a, a real character, I think it's fair to say. Then
0: lovely, lovely walks through the village dressed as a cowboy. People are coming through the village and, and they're nearly crashing the cars. What, <laughs> What's What's who's that? That's Brian. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, every village <laughs> needs one, eh? Well, uh, there
2: was uh, a Brian perfect, huh?
1: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both Steve, both Steve Patterson and Johnny Huntridge have asked you about your favourite Spiral Carpets tune. Um, well, Robbie Doyle wants to know your favourite Half Man Half Biscuit song. It seems everyone wants to know what your favourite song is. So, favourite Spiral Carpets tune?
0: Saturn Five. Yeah, you know, which is also they did a Saturn Five, which they play Saturn V with Marquis e. Smith and he sings another song. <laughs> <laughs> An Half Man, Half Biscuit, you look no further than National Shite Day. <laughs>
1: yeah, I've heard you talking about um, Half Man, Half Biscuit. Um, they were from the Trammear neck of the woods, weren't they?
0: Trammear, they fun. were yeah. big, big Trammear fans, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but didn't you used to put song lyrics into your commentaries or something like
0: that? Yeah, yeah, you'd slip them in. <laughs> Which is great, and and it's like coding messages, and on social media, that it's like an avalanche that that people who, who know that will come in, and he's he's put one in there. He got one in. Did you hear that? Yes,
1: mm. yeah. Because yeah, I imagine not many people would would clock on, so you've got like a, captain, no. a little niche audience. But, and he
0: he, 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 w- he walked out of boots without due care and attention.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have we got, John Loughran <laughs> John Locker and asked you, Bumble. You had a best-selling book called "Around the World in Eighty Pints." So, yes. what, what I want to know from you, all of you, is what's your favourite pint? Ah, right. Um, go on, Brian. You go first. I think.
2: Uh, well, my favourite is. Have I got to pick a particular brand of a different type of beer, or what? You or, don't have to. You don't have to through my. You know, they like bitter or like lager. They I like.
1: I mean. I, I would put good money on you saying it was a pint of some kind of cider.
2: Um, yeah, probably a pint of cider, I would say. Um, woodpecker. Really? You like the sweet I, cider, do
1: you? Yes. Yeah, that surprised me. You don't see that on pints in, in draft much, do you? Not
2: anymore, you don't, no.
1: Uh,
0: uh, the... you, ch- you You know, your tastes change. And Right now, my favourite right now... It's a, I think it's a, it's, I think it's brew dog and it's triple hazy jane. Yeah, hazy jane, it, yeah. it's a triple hazy jane, hazy jane which comes in I think at, at eight point two percent, and it's one of them that you have. You get three of them and you're going to march on Poland. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's a, a real strong. I like the American IPAs. Yeah, I, I like that that sort of flavour of an American IPA.
1: Because I was listening to you on a podcast i believe it's called moon under the water podcast a while ago and you were talking about these ipas that you you really like the the, the cans of ipa and the yes these sort of um yeah pale ales that've got a bit of a kick to them and they, they seem to be really yeah. really popular at the minute aren't they and but it seems to be one of those drinks that people either love them or they, they don't like them but you seem to be very fond of them
0: yeah and and years ago i did a, my own brew i was the the sort of celebrity brewer um, for a brewery in Blackburn, and I brewed this thing up, and I put everything in, and I called it "Leave the Car Ale." <laughs> you don't want to be any, you don't want to be anywhere near a car when you've had a pint of this. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I would probably go with one of those sort of new German, not new, but more popular German pilsners that you get in pubs yes. now, like a Veltins yes. or a Warsteiner or something like that. Yes, one of those yeah. sort of crisp. Some lagers can have a bit of a of an eggy taste to them, you know, when they've been in the pump for about a week, not naming any pubs. But um yeah, something like <laughs> something like a Veltins or a um, Wallstein or something like that. So Mark, you're not getting out of this one.
3: Uh, well, I think I would go for one of two. It'd probably be a Belgian blonde uh called we're yeah. we talking triple... about
1: pints so you know
3: that. oh okay sorry yeah. in that case uh yeah triple caramelite which is really nice i don't think you get it in in pints mind you uh, and probably my favorite and i had one last night is, a, is an austrian beer uh that's only brewed one day a year i think by monks um and it's 14 percent, which sounds iffy like carlsberg special brew but it's called sammy klaus um and you again you only drink one or two of these and uh that's that's sufficient Um, but it's got a really dark sort of chocolatey taste to it. Amazing beer. So that's one I would recommend. Where
1: did you find that in Blythe somewhere?
3: Uh, no, I got it. uh, Well, I've had it before in Austria. I found it when I was working there a few years ago. And then I just before Christmas, I walked into sort of a a Ponzi off license kind of place. (laughs) And, um, they had it on the shelf in there. It's the only time I've ever seen it in this country. Otherwise you've got to order it off the uh, internet.
1: Okay, well, that makes our trip up to Blythe more uh, appealing now, Brian. I'll
3: get, yeah, I'll get some in. Don't worry, we'll start off with them and then work our way down from there.
1: <laughs> Jumbatron, there's only two left. Jumbatron asks, how does it feel to have a street named after you in Accrington?
0: Oh, well, embarrassing. I didn't want to do it. I just no. didn't. I don't know. You know, the council came with this idea and, and I turned it down. I said, no, I don't think that's just not me. I'm not, you're not comfortable with things. Anyway, the, you know, the persuasion was that it's right next to the cricket ground where I first started. Um, Anyway, it's there and I I haven't seen it. Um, You didn't go and cut the
1: red ribbon uh, or anything like
0: that? Yeah. No, I didn't on that one. I don't think, no, I didn't. Um, But it, you know, how would you like to see Where do you live? I live on David Lloyd Way. No, I was no. going to say,
1: is it a way or a close or an avenue or a, it's a way?
0: It'd it? be that it, it's a new development and it's it's a good news development because there was this field and the field is between the new Stanley Ground, the One Stadium, yeah, and the cricket ground and there's just this one field in in between and it was full of that methane gas, so they could never build in it and and then they, they got rid of or the methane gas finished or went or they got rid of it. And they've now put some, you know, some quite nice houses on it.
3: What do you think about petitioning North Lanarkshire Council, Chucky, and see if we can get you a street named after you in Airdrie? Oh.
1: I think it would, <laughs> no. I, I think it would have to be a tower block. Tower, tower block, block. Tower block in Airdrie. Brian McClare house.
3: The, the Brian McClare urinals in uh, the middle of town. Uh, yeah, that be, I maybe that. I, <laughs> I, I could see that. Uh,
1: that definitely uh, in Coatbridge. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Um <laughs> last but not least uh, here's our mate Cury Dave
2: question for David if there was one
0: ruling cricket that you could change or implement what would it be time wasting and yellow and yellow and red cards yeah um I, I won't go any further than that time wasting the, the players have got it down to a funereal pace you've got a you've got a clamp on that because he, he's covered in the laws of the game. I said they're quite obscure. I think there's 42. And so that, that is one of the laws that he's never implemented. You're wasting time. Mm-hmm. And there's a penalty. The penalty is five runs awarded to the other. Make it more than that. Um, and then any any misdemeanour on the field, yellow card, red card. Yeah. And so, so mm-hmm. that so that you, you and I and everybody watching, either at the ground or on TV or on radio, Everybody knows there's been a bit of a problem there rather than it, it fester and go on over five days and then they're going to have a meeting about it in two weeks, hmm. deal with it straight away. Yeah. The other card.
1: It's very much a cricket thing, isn't it? This sort of gentlemanly conduct. Uh, yeah, we'll deal with it Deal with it afterwards or we'll deal with it in the referee's room. And, but it's kind of kept out the way of the public eye, unlike a lot it of is, sports. It where... is. I,
0: I, yeah, let, let's have it out there. I, you mentioned earlier, I umpired for three and a half years or so. N- no problem whatsoever, not once. But now, because of of the challenge of DRS, that is, I am challenging your decision, DRS. I'm a player and I'm challenging your decision. And so uh, the authority of the umpire has just been waned a bit. Uh, And so I just bring everybody into line. I'll finish with with this. A a name dropping, a Man United. You know, years and years ago, I used to speak at dinners and I used to speak at dinners sometimes with Dennis Law. I mean, how good's that? A great man, Dennis, a great man. And I said to him one day, Dennis, you, you never went into football management. Why did you not go into football management? He said, what, dealing with players? The complete assholes. I used to be, what? <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I think on that note, um, that stumps. Um, we'll whip the bales off and start the car. Um, our thanks to you,
0: Bumble, for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed chatting. I have. It's been great. It took me a while to find the Zoom on the email that we sent three, three years ago, but we got there.
1: <laughs> we were panicking for a minute. <laughs>
0: Brian Matthew, uh, massive
1: thanks to you as always. Uh, as always, and thanks, David. Thank it's, you been a, it's, it's a thanks joy to David. have you on.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been Wonderful. great. Thanks ever so much, uh, Brian. Good to chat to you. Well, I'm Thank sure we'll you uh,
1: yeah, our we'll, uh, paths may may well cross in the uh, in one of those pubs we mentioned in Manchester.
0: All right. Cheers, Cheers David. Thanks. thanks a lot. Bye bye bye. Take
1: care. Bye
3: bye. And thanks to you out there for tuning in. Please subscribe to Life with Brian wherever you get your podcasts and we would be very grateful if you enjoyed the show to leave us a nice review too, please. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Brian BrianMcClarePod, so follow us there too. We'll be back again soon, so we look forward to ch- catching up with you then. See ya. Life with Brian Life with Brian Talking films or music Life with
1: Brian Talking tea. In every Life with pride. Life with pride.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.